You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Our guest today is Robert Masiri. Robert is always ready to help the next animal in need. He is the president and founder of the nonprofit group called Guardians of Rescue, an organization based in New York. We will meet Robert and learn more about the fascinating work he and his organization are doing. But first, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is Robert Masiri, founder and president of Guardians of Rescue. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, Robert, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I was doing some research, and it's really amazing the, uh, the diverse work you guys are doing. And can we start, and maybe you can tell us what the mission of Guardians of Rescue is? Well, to sum it up, it's to foster programs for people, animals, and other groups. The difficult programs, the difficult rescues, the things that most have complications um, with. And then we have all our programs. But the crux of the organization is to foster the difficult programs, such as uh, large hoarding cases, bringing dogs back from foreign war-torn areas, things of that nature. Wow. And where's the um, organization located? It's located in Port Jefferson Station, New York. And whereabouts is that for our listeners who may not be familiar with it? Well, it's right in the middle of Long Island. And how long has your organization been in existence? Guardian started in 2010, and we've been going strong since. I don't think the organization has stopped a single day since, 365 days a year. Holidays, we're out there. Weather, bad weather, uh, we're out there. And what compelled you to start Guardians of Rescue? Well, Keith, there's a lot of gaps in the world of animal rescue, and I noticed quite a few of them. And I found people who I knew 
had pretty much like-minded like myself, had the passion to want to go into a certain area of rescue or investigations where we have a tremendous problem with uh, feral cats living among us in the United States. And the people who care for them are just simple people who want to just feed them and love them and, and care for their well-being. And we noticed a lot of them were having problems, a lot of them, meaning the caretakers. And they were being abused by local residents, by store owners, and uh, they weren't doing the right thing in terms of cleaning up the property after themselves. So I knew I had investigators that wanted to work with me, and they said, Robert, let's let's try to help these people. Let's get these people back on track, make sure that these animals are safe. So little programs like that started the organization. Okay, now when I was reading your bio and some background material, I noticed the wording seasoned people as far as uh, referring to the people who are in your organization. What does that word seasoned mean? Well, we have people who generally may not necessarily be seasoned in rescue, although we do quite a, have quite a few, but we have people who are seasoned in, in different fields of their world, maybe now retired, semi-retired, and they want to lend a hand to the organization. So it could, see, it could be someone in the military. It could be somebody who specializes in veterinary medicine. So those people have, from all walks of life, have lent a great deal of support to the, our cause and has given us the ability to move at the pace we have. Okay, some world experience, I guess, would be another way of saying that. No question that, that everyone that works with us has, uh, you know, some unique experiences. But seasoned could be an investigator. We have uh, an investigative unit um, that uh, we have some very highly qualified people who uh, work with us, um, right from Secret Service to former FBI agents. Uh, these are all retired people who donate their time to us. Now, recently there was an uh, issue with a fighting dog. What was its name or her name? Her name uh, is Ginger, and she was seized by the Buffalo Police Department and subsequently taken to the Buffalo City Shelter. A short time after that, uh, she was uh, stolen out of the shelter. She came in with uh, multiple lacerations on her face, fighting wounds. The person who had her in her possession had three other dogs, so it was a total of four. So they were seized from his house. He was arrested for four counts of animal cruelty. Um, and uh, subsequently, after that, uh, we were contacted by a group called Ginger's Gang, led by attorney Matt Albert. And they were out there, and they were doing their thing, and they were being aggressive, and they were uh, trying to reclaim this dog, trying to get this dog back safe. And, and he reached out to us, and uh, we we lent some assistance, and uh, we were successful in uh, getting her back. So she was saved, really, from dog fighting and in a shelter, and then she was stolen again. Is that you know? That that is correct, Keith. You know, she. That's what compelled me to say, let's make this thing happen. Let's make sure we get this dog back because she had a shot at freedom. When she was taken out of that house, I can't imagine what went through her, her mind that she didn't have to fight another day in her life. And then to be ripped out of a shelter once again and then put back into that world was horrific because she did have freedom for a short time. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful dog. So to have that freedom, that taste of freedom, and then have somebody come back and steal her was just not sitting well with me. So we made sure that we uh, we got her back and we did. And now the people or person who stole her, did they steal her to fight again? or uh, uh, do we, you know? Oh, yeah. Do we believe this? For breeding and fighting, no question. 
No well, question. So she probably was a well-known dog in dog fighting circles, do you think? She probably, right. In the circuit, she probably had a name. Her name that she came into, she was given a name at the shelter, Ginger, so we don't know what her real name was, but she probably had a, you know, a good name on her. Her litter would be valuable, clearly, and uh, her fighting ability clearly was probably something that was profitable, and that's why they stole her. Wow. Wow. So that's quite the story. And was it the reward that got her back or was it the investigation? It was a combination of the reward and uh, just a little pressure that was put on the neighborhood. And I understand, is it right? You even had an FBI or an ex-FBI uh, agent as an investigator for a while on this? Yeah, we had a former FBI agent on the case, depending on which way we, we weren't sure which way it was going to go. We weren't sure if the dog was alive. We weren't sure if the dog was out of state. And that was our concern. And that was the case we would have had to spend more time uh, on the investigative side. Wow, that's quite the story. Just imagine that. The dog is saved and taken away from its owner who had, what, he had three other dogs too, didn't he? He had three other dogs that were seized as well, still at the city shelter. Oh, are they up for adoption or are they being rehabilitated? No, they're not up for adoption yet. There's still an ongoing case, so they're not, uh, I'm sure at some point they will be. But uh, at this point, I don't believe they are. Wow, that's an amazing story. And then, you know, to show the diversity of the interests of your organization, you're also involved in fighting against the Internet sale of pets. Uh, Can you tell us why the sale of dogs and other animals on the Internet is a practice that uh, you're against? There's a few different reasons why people should be concerned about buying any type of animal over the Internet. Most people get scammed outright. Dog doesn't exist. They have photographs that they steal from other sites, and you think you're buying from some breeder, and ultimately you send them the money, and you never get the dog. And that's not something we focus on, but that's a reason not to engage in any type of Internet sales. Uh, So the fraud on that end is tremendous. But the ones that do actually sell dogs over the Internet are generally buying all their animals from puppy mills. And... Like anything else, they're buying most likely sick animals that by the time they get to you, um, if they're not already dead, um, you'll need a significant amount of uh, money to keep that animal alive. And we hit it all the time, all the time. And people don't, the recourse is very different when it comes to an animal because they fall in love with that animal. And the guy will say, okay, you know what, just send me the dog back. Who wants to send a dog back if they spent three, five, six weeks with that dog? No one wants to do that. Yeah, you're right. It's not like a refrigerator or a TV. Exactly. And they know they prey on you. And they know they oh, just send me the dog back. And so it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Responsible breeders do not sell over the Internet. Real responsible breeders. They may advertise over the Internet, but you're coming to their home. They're coming to your house for a home check. They're responsible. They breed one dog a year. These people are buying puppy mill dogs. They're posting them up as they just got, you know, divorced and the daughter. They have a million different stories why they're giving this dog up. And it's 99% of the time, it's all a lie, of course. And I would imagine that's becoming more and more of a problem as there's pressure put on, well, like Chicago just passed legislation that pet stores can't sell commercially bred puppies anymore. But uh, I'm sure the, the puppy mills are just using the Internet more and more because of the loss of their pet store market. Is that a true assumption? Totally. Every business has to find their new, they have to navigate around all these new laws and 
restrictions, and they do, and they do. Uh, you have A and B dealers, you have puppy mills, and everybody's looking for a piece of the action. You know, you just search the web and you'll find site after site. Many of these sites are run by one person, so you may have one person running 25 different sites. They literally have, uh, you know, they're just taking orders. So if you place an order for, and they have salespeople who call you back and they'll start sending you pictures of the dog and, you know, the dog really doesn't exist at that point. And that this is going back to the guy who's selling the puppy mill dog. They will take a picture of a Yorkie. Although that's not the Yorkie you're going to get, once you give them a deposit, they will order a Yorkie from a puppy mill. And three days later, four days later, that dog arrives at their facility or direct from another location. That dog may stay in transit for who knows for how long. It could be three weeks. It could be sick. It could need medication immediately. A lot of times people want young animals. They don't realize they break these animals away from their moms at five weeks so that when you get that animal, it's eight weeks. So if you order an animal, you want a puppy at eight weeks, chances are that mom has to be broken away in five weeks. Wow, and that's a lot of trauma. And if they're either shipped by truck or plane, that's just an incredible amount of stress on that animal. It's no wonder they become ill. It's a dirty, dirty business, and it continues. And I applaud many big cities like Chicago and, and of course, Los Angeles, West Hollywood. A lot of cities we're fighting a bill right now uh, here in New York. Although the bill is not strong enough, we don't fail. But it's a similar bill, but it doesn't restrict them from purchasing from mills. It restricts them from purchasing from mills with certain relations. So it's not a win-win, but it's a starting point. Yeah, that's just amazing. Robert, we need to take a break right now to hear from those great people who helped make Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates possible. When we return, we want to talk about what Guardians of Rescue is doing to stop the sale of dogs and other pets on the Internet in terms of hints that you might give uh, our listeners on what to look for. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the tales of the city. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, founder and host, and our guest today is Robert Masseri, founder of Guardians of Rescue. Robert, when we look at the sale of dogs on the internet, I noticed in my research on your organization, you had five tips to think about before people decide where to buy a dog. Can you share those with us? Generally, when you go onto the internet, you want to first look at the website. Okay, and you want to see if it's a real rescue site. You don't want to purchase, you want to adopt. And is that the question you ask, Keith? Right, right. You know, how to differentiate, because when I, I've seen some of those sites, and some people, in fact, you really have to look at them to figure out whether they're a reputable breeder or uh, somebody selling puppies by the droves. Well, a reputable breeder will go out of its way because of all the scammers to be very forthcoming. They'll have a phone number. So if this phone number is listed on their website, Google it. Look at their address. If they're in Chicago, see if the number matches up in Chicago. Google the phone number. Google the company. Absolutely. Everything is pretty much at everyone's access on the Internet. Check with your local BBB. Don't hesitate. There's too many stories about people getting sick dogs, and it's not fair to the person purchasing. It's certainly not fair to the animal. But a decent breeder will have very few complaints, if none. And they would be very forthcoming. They're open. It's very transparent. They have their information up there. They'll have very detailed photos versus a site that uses words as we have rescue dogs. There are sites out there that will purchase dogs. They'll rescue two dogs a year, purchase 175 a month. But now they'll say they have rescue dogs. So they'll, you may call them and say, hey, I'm looking for a Pichon. We actually have one that's rescued. And how are you going to know if that dog is really rescued? So it's, it's important to do your due diligence. Uh, it's important to look at uh, each site, go to this, this tremendous amount of information on, on uh, the Internet as far as how to spot a fraud. And in most cases, the people who are selling dogs, they all have the same type of, it's a sales pitch. It's a big sales pitch, um, big photos. Breeders don't have a lot of big photos. Breeders talk about who they are. Yeah, and I might also add one thing I've found in writing blogs on the internet is that a lot of times, right next to the blog I've written, if it's about getting a dog or, you know, a dog topic, there will be one of these puppy mill (laughs) sellers. And so just because the ad, online ad, is next to a reputable story doesn't mean that the seller is reputable because the you know there's no control over that that's ads by google or somebody and it's simply in a logarithm matching dogs for sale with a dog story no absolutely they have uh, marketing companies that totally market you know the whole animal world the rescue world i mean i see it all day long when i'm searching for something and i see a you know a retail puppy store site pop up Clearly, they're targeting me. They don't realize they're targeting me, but that's what they're trying to target. And most people, it's a shame, but most people are still very, very, very naive about puppy mills and about the internet sales of puppies. Even Craigslist as a whole, people still don't get it. They don't realize the dangers that they've put themselves in when they either try to adopt or put a dog up for adoption on these social media sites. Wow, that's good information. Thanks for sharing with us. And I want to talk about another program you're involved in, Sponsor a Dog, Save a Veteran. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We provide service dogs for our post-9-11 veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. And 
generally, every animal we place in the program comes out of a shelter for the most part, but it has to be a rescue dog. That's one criteria. So if we have a veteran, if there's a veteran in, let's just say, Nebraska, and you want to sponsor him, that organization can sponsor that veteran and that dog. They even could uh, potentially name the dog if the veteran is okay with it. But that's a big program for us right now. It's called Paws of War, and uh, it's, it's very successful. The results are beyond beyond what we would have ever imagined, what these animals are doing for these veterans. How long have you been doing this? This is going on about 18 months, this program. And we have uh, about 17 dogs in the program. And uh, everybody that we place a dog with, every veteran that's suffering from TBI or PTSD, cannot thank us enough how it's changed their life. Their family can't thank us. Their children, their wife, it does tremendous, it just, it, many, I could go on for hours telling you stories about how their life has changed just because of that one dog. And if I were a veteran, how would I, or a spouse of a veteran, how would I find out about this program and maybe get my name on the list? They can go right to our website, which is guardiansofrescue.org. The program is called Pause of War. It doesn't cost the veteran anything. And uh, with or without a sponsor, we, we make sure that we provide. The fact that our tree approach training procedure works well, we can get an animal into a veteran's hands a lot quicker than a norm. It's a very, very uh, successful program. We're very proud of it. So typically, what would the time span be from when you're contacted to when a veteran might get a dog? It could be as early as three months at this point. We've trained. We have several dogs in our program. Part of our program is where we trained existing dogs so that the, the veteran may have a dog ready. And the dog is doing wonderful, wonderful things for him or her. And we'll certify that dog. We'll put that dog through a series of training. But if it's a dog, that, if it's new, it's a new application, you don't have a dog, uh, it could be as early as three months at this point. That's just really great because I think that's one of the benefits that in probably the last decade we've become more and more conscious of just the therapeutic value of dogs and all the great things they can do for humans. And speaking of, of that, and there's something humans can do for dogs, and there's two dogs, Logar and Falcar. Can you tell us a little bit about them and what's going on in their lives? Well, they are technically... <laughs> on the ground. They arrived uh, yesterday to the United States, so they are now U.S. citizens. They lived uh, in Afghanistan. They were born in Afghanistan. Uh, they were uh, rescued by an elite Navy uh, team. They shared uh, everything from food to love to companionship with this team, and this team reached out to us and said, we do not want to leave these animals behind. No way. No way. And we have a partner in Afghanistan called Nauzad, which is an amazing organization that has a shelter there. Can you say that name again? Yeah, it's N-O-W-Z-A-D, Nauzad. Nauzad Dogs. Okay, and that's in Afghanistan, and they help get dogs into the United States? Is that what they do? Yep, yep. And uh, together, Guardians of Rescue and Nauzad work to build the... We have to first get the dogs to a safe location. The service members generally cannot leave their post. 
So this dog may, our dogs may have to travel four, three, four, five hundred miles. We don't know, depending on where they are in the world of Afghanistan. Once they're safe, they go through into a quarantine and they are safe at the shelter. Then, then all the processes of getting them flown to the United States begins. And then it costs money. We usually put a chip in up for whatever the cost is. And uh, that's been a, another successful program. Now, some critics might say, hey, aren't there enough dogs? Can't they find a dog in the United States? How come you have to import them from Afghanistan? Can you talk to that point a little bit? Sure, Keith. That's a great point. And I'm a big advocate on not importing dogs from anywhere if it's totally unnecessary because we have a big problem here. But these dogs become very, very, they become therapy for these soldiers who come back with such horrible, horrible wounds, both physical and, and emotional. And these dogs stood by them. And we would be doing a tremendous disjustice to our service members if we left those dogs behind. And I do speak to service members who had to leave those dogs behind. And they'll never be the same in the rest of their life. It weighs very heavy on them. That's the only thing that gives them that normalcy of life, that they can look forward to coming back. And when they when they come back and those dogs are waiting for them, it, it keeps them going. It keeps them going. It's a horrible place to be, both for our soul warriors and of course those animals there's not a lot of them that come back but the ones that we get requests for we make sure they do that's an amazing story yeah i I know it's very difficult i did i've written a couple stories and did some research on on war dogs and a lot of those experiences were very traumatic because at one time they were left in theater they weren't brought back and uh, you can imagine that the bond that handlers had with their dogs and they came back to the states but the dogs were left behind and that was really really tough for them to, to take so I can imagine if I'm in a war theater and I've adopted a puppy and that puppy is perhaps my only link to reality, the emotions that go, I mean, it, it'd be like expecting anyone anywhere to give up their pet, which is always tough. Yeah, no, it would weigh very heavy on them, knowing that those dogs would wind up falling into the wrong hands, which has happened before, and they're very horrific stories, so... These dogs do need to come back when they are paired up with our, our service members there. Yeah, because I, as I understand it, the culture there isn't as dog-friendly as here in the United States. So I would assume that uh, dogs left behind probably aren't going to have a good end. No, no. This is probably one of the worst parts of the world where animal has to survive, which is Afghanistan. Both the climate and the lack of respect for an animal there is really harsh conditions for these animals. Every dog we've brought back is one is better, just as good as or better than the other. Amazing. Right. It's amazing how resilient they are. Hey, Robert, I ask all my guests this question. With the human misery in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources on animals? It's a good question. If you look at all of the organizations that help people around the world, you know, suffer from all different types of disease and poverty. There is tens of thousands of organizations. But if you look at the organizations that are helping animals, there aren't enough. There may never be enough. And there are way more people, of course, that can help themselves. And that's a big problem. When someone can help themselves and they choose not to, an animal can't. An animal can't when they're a victim and or being abused. I feel that there are way more organizations helping the plight of humans than animals, and uh, that's why we feel we are a big, we're a big need. And, and there'll never be enough of us. There'll never be enough organizations out there that are really truly 
helping the advancement and protection of animals. That's a good answer, and thank you for sharing that with us. I want to ask you now, is this a full-time thing for you, or do you have a daytime job, too? Well, <laughs> that's another interesting question. I do have a daytime job, but uh, pretty much this takes up most of my time with Guardians. and We are a all-volunteer organization, so nobody's on salary, but we're driven by passion. We're driven by passion. That's what gets us to the next level. Again, if I want to donate, volunteer, or learn more about Guardians of Rescue, where can I go? We encourage you to go to both our Facebook page and our website. The website is guardiansofrescue.org, and the Facebook is the same, Guardians of Rescue. I have another question. Quite frankly, uh, among my guests, males are in the minority. Do you have anything to say to the guys out there who might be interested in stepping up and, and volunteering? Absolutely. I think that Real men, real men have no qualms of, if you love animals, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of bringing men into, into the animal rescue world, as so many others have as well. But, uh, yeah, no, they need to step up and not feel like, you know what, this is a woman's thing or it's a little ashamed or embarrassed. Real men, real tough guys go out and rescue animals. Well, thank you for that answer. And can you believe it? We've run out of time already. I, the time just really flies when we get to talking about this subject of animal advocacy. And uh, Max A. Pooch gives you and your colleagues at Guardians of Rescue five big tail wagging wolves for the work you're doing. You've been a great guest, and thank you for being with us, Robert. Keith, thank you for having me. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic, and we hope you tell your friends about awesome animal advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.